This episode of the unofficial world's number one foiling podcast, the generic foiling podcast. We are fulfilling a bit of a dream of ours in this episode because this podcast was the thought, the idea for this podcast was founded whilst on the very journey that we're on now because we are recording in the van having just had a session at Bantham. Which so, no doubt will be horrible to all the listeners because of the audio quality. What we recommend is that you listen to this in the car so that the sort of road noise that you can hear from us is compensated for by your own journey and hopefully you'll be on the way to a session. So if you are a returning listener, apologies or enjoy it, who knows? And if you're a new listener, either put up with it or go listen to one of our other production masterpieces that we've been putting out recently. So in this episode, we have been interacting with quite a lot of the listeners on Instagram recently and there's been a lot of accusations of dickery within the industry and we are going to dissect the accusations and determine whether or not the accusees are guilty of dickery or not and those are Armstrong with the quick release of the HA foils following the MA foils and whether or not the MA foil is now redundant because of how good that new generation of HA foil is. Gong have recently signed Francesco Capuzzo uh, and are basically now going to win all of the GWA stops potentially because they've got some very fine athletes in the disciplines. And Flight have potentially done some dickery by trying to one-up the foil assist market when we don't know when their product is going to get released. So I figured we'd start in alphabetical order, Armstrong. Now, thinking which actually, yeah, okay. So we'd have to go Armstrong, Flight, then Gong. Yeah, it is, it is. So Freddie, I was on Marketplace um, on Facebook where I like to look at old Volkswagens. And I got distracted by the Armstrong Foil Owners Group, which we're very popular in. And basically there was, I saw multiple posts with very uh, big comment sections discussing the subsequent release of the HA Foil so close to the MA Foil and suggestions from people that they're a bit upset with Armstrong for releasing it so quickly and almost like releasing the MA when they knew that the HA was coming and suggesting that the new HA foil has made the current MA foil redundant. Now, the MA, when it was released, that was sort of during the period that MA foils in general were all the trend. Um, you know, stuff was coming out left, right and centre sort of aspect ratio between sort of seven and eight and a half. And we've all done the surf style around sort of six and everyone had done the high aspect stuff sort of 10 or above and we'd push the extremes and people releasing the mid aspect and being like, look, this has got the best traits of both. They marketed it very well. Armstrong was signing riders at the time. We were seeing surf foil footage, winging footage. You know, there was, I think the guys were even downwinding them and they were pushed very heavily. And then not too long after this new HA came out, which we've had a go on, and the HA seemed to be a bit of a, bit of a hero maker, you know, it had, ridiculously low stall speed for a HA foil it had the glide um, but it turned amazingly well so 
we did some incredible journalism and went to speak to Rich at Kite Barn. We, we asked other people. We asked other people, yeah. Yeah. So, Rich, uh, test editor for the Foiling Mag uh, and our number one unofficial unwarranted sponsor, kitebarn.co.uk. Only when we need kit fixed. He has spent a lot of time on both of those foils, so I put it to him. When would you use one? When would you use the other? And has the new HA made the MA redundant? And in short, his answer was yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which were you saying yes to? Uh, I can't remember anymore. I got the impression, yes, it has. Oh, I got the impression, no, it hasn't. Well, no, it hasn't for those kinds of peoples that are going to have a million different foils and have the ability to choose between different setups all the time in different conditions. Whereas if for your everyday wangers, everyday UK peoples, you're only going to get one setup. And if you've just spent two grand on MAs, you ain't going to go chopping and changing them that quick. No, but I disagree because... Of course you disagree. You're Liam Proctor. You disagree with <laughs> fucking everything. He said that it depends whether or not you're interested in waves. That was basically how I understood what he was saying, which was that if you are surf foiling or you are doing wind sports but in waves, then you would want the HA because it has a lower stall speed. It does have a good speed range, but it's very turny and fundamentally it has a very low stall speed. It's very recoverable from that low stall speed. Like if you get close to it, it responds to pumping well and it's still very turny. And, yeah, can pump back out to the next wave and everything. The dickery has come that everything you've just said is what the MA was supposed to be. Best of both worlds. And now True. very quickly, and again, it's not a bad thing. I'm, we're not slating it, but it's just the, pro, uh, what's the word? The progression of foil design has maybe just caught Armstrong out a little bit because it's gone up too quickly in the last few months and this be all and end all MA which is exactly what it was supposed to be is now not the MA it's the HA it's because I asked the question is there ever a situation where you would use the MA over the HA and he said yes and that was basically if I'm not attacking waves if you're a free rider that is flat water blasting you like going around quickly a size for size MA has a higher top end speed still has good efficiency but is basically very good very stable at high speed where that Which... ha sort of tops out it doesn't he described it as it doesn't go crazy and buck you off but it does get to its top speed and then sort of stops getting any quicker whereas the ma would the be problem with that which is completely separate now to the dickery that we're talking about, or potential, sorry. Potential uh, dickery. Potential, it's uh, guilt, not, not guilty and innocent until proven guilty. The, the potential dickery, which hasn't been proven yet, um, is if you wrote down the characteristics of what you talked about six months ago. How does that line up with the marketing? No. Well, yeah, true. But you wouldn't have written that as an MA at all. What you've just said about the new HA is what you would have said, well, that's an MA foil. Yeah. Doesn't have the speed, turns in the pocket, that's the wave. And this is what's going to be confusing now going ahead. And this is kind of another point to what we're discussing anyway, is everything we've been told about 
that MA is a good four and HA is a good four, you've just said the opposite four. Well, I'm not surprised. Not, not even just, not even a little bit. Everything you've just said is the polar opposite of what we've been sold for the last two years. But I think that is a a result of the designers thus far pushing the extremes to see what happens, figuring out the result of those extremes and then dialing it back. Now, if you were to look simply from a aeronautical um, theoretical perspective and ignore the whole feeling aspect to it, the increase in aspect ratio with the same foil section and all the rest of it, as my understanding goes, that will increase the efficiency, i.e. the lift to drag ratio and you'll get more glide out of it and all that sort of stuff. I don't believe it will necessarily result in a drastically different top end speed. And I feel like all of the early high aspect foils, if you think about all of them, not only were they crazy high aspect, but they also all had these super skinny profiles. You know, that art was really skinny. It might have had cord, but it was very thin. And I feel like all the early HAs were, like you compare the first Armstrong HA to the new one, the new one's got really quite a thick cross-sectional profile. And so they've created the efficiency and the sort of glide and everything by making a high aspect, but then they've created the low end lift by having a really thick airfoil section, but a thicker airfoil section results in more drag and therefore the speed, top end speed is reduced. So that's that sort of, now why we're seeing these high aspect foils that do have the low end but the question we're coming back to is did they sell the ma knowing that the ha was coming now we can't answer it because we're not those customers however nobody's out to fuck anybody over i don't believe as much as i would love access to sell far more foils than armstrong constantly we there's no way Army's gone out to screw people over. He's, you know, it's a natural progression of the wings. The trouble being, I guess, I think, design has now overtaken things too quickly, and what we thought was the bee's knees has just very quickly been usurped. Well, it might also just be a case of, you know, for a high aspect wing that we've we've both ridden the new Armstrong HA, and it is one of the most forgiving, easiest take I think it's the easiest takeoff HA foil I've ever used. Yeah, I mean, Um, it was simple. It's very simple. You know, it's not, it doesn't take much speed to get going. And maybe it's just a case of certain riders that have bought the MA will grow into it potentially, like with more skill riding at higher speed or the rest of it, I don't know. One thing I would like to say with the Armstrong, if you are, so I think yes, they are. They're not wrong, Rich and Chris and whoever's talked about the two wings. They are designed for different purposes. Yes, to learn how that that purpose is now very specific. Like as in the parameters of what foil you need for what you do is just getting slimmer and slimmer. And I think if you are weighing up the option of one or the other, it is only solidifying the need to go and talk to a red respectable or whatever the you know to to a good retailer who knows the difference that's it that's good advice that's literally that's it's very difficult and i know it from the axis side of things trying to determine who needs to ride what 
foils, depending on what you're doing, you need someone as a good retailer, a good independent retailer that's not just trying to flog your kit to sell you the right one, because it will make quite a big difference. We're not saying the MA has been usurped. Oh, no, you know, you, I know I use the word usurped, but the MA has definitely not been made to be redundant if you, are, if you sit in those parameters of, of benefiting most. But you need to find out if you are that person and someone needs to tell you what the benefits are of whichever follow Although you, you might argue at the time, that's the whole point, I think, that a lot of these user groups were making was that at the time that they made the purchase of the MA, the HA wasn't out yet. And even if they'd followed that advice, they might have gone to a retailer and they might have been coming off, like, I don't know the range that well, a HS 1500-ish size one, and they might be ready to step down to something that's about a thousand. And before that new HA was released, someone might have said to them, yeah, your next best option, if you're used to that, maybe it was the new MA, or perhaps was the MA oversold maybe this is the issue that it's not armstrong's fault at all maybe the, the retailers MA, the might MA, have oversold the ma because ma was all the hype for a while it was the all it and was you, the hype and unfortunately the m the armstrong ma was the first of the lot to be released as in to hit the shelves i believe because here's the skate remember the skate took about 16 years to actually go from <laughs> principal true, yeah. principal to on the shelf. Yeah, we saw and, the skate. Um, the months. Spitfire was we saw way the out of production. date. Not out of date, but it was way later. Yeah. It was the MA that was the first one. So like the art was for Axis initially, maybe the MA was overdone. And that's a separate point altogether. Having worked in retail, actually, you know, what do you call it? B to C, C to C, C to customer? B to C. Um, having worked in a shop selling stuff to people, what I would also say is if you're going to a trusted like retailer that you are pretty confident is you've had a recommendation from somebody or like you've been introduced by a friend and you know they're going to sell you the gear that's good for you you've got to be very careful going into a shop saying oh I'm really interested in this one particular product because if you're quite confident it's quite difficult as a retailer who ultimately does want a sale at the end of the day like if you just went into a shop and went I think I'd like a mid-aspect foil. And I went, oh, okay, are you tied to a system yet? And you're like, well, yes or no, but I'm actually willing to change out my system because, you know, the one I learned on is a bit shit anyway. Um, if you come in and say that, I might go, oh, okay, well, here are the options. Describe your writing to me and I might come to a recommendation. Whereas if you come in to me and you go, oh, I've seen loads of videos of the, of the whatever, uniform progression i've seen loads of videos of that uniform progression i might think that there's another foil that's better for you but if you've come into me and gone uniform progression five times i'm a retailer going well right now you clearly want a uniform progression so i'm going to put that order and leave you as a happy customer because that's what you wanted so i think that when you're seeking the advice from people as well like you've got to remain a little bit open-minded to actually listen to what they're telling you because there is so much foiling hype on the gram and on the social medias and all that sort of stuff it is quite easy to get carried away with this is the new thing this is what all the pros seem to be using this is what all the ambassadors that aren't quite pros but you know they're getting cheap gear that's what they're all saying and that's why we as a couple of chumps have always wanted to remain independent on this podcast so that we can say has dickery been committed so what's your final answer even though neither of us are Armstrong customers <laughs> and neither of us give a shit anyway <laughs> Uh, I think the main thing is no one's trying to fuck you over. No. Chill no. out, bro. 
Yeah, it doesn't but that's, matter. That's easy to say if you haven't spent two yeah, grand but on a Ford and now matter. you want the other one. The stuff's progressing too quick. You know that. That's like saying, oh, I don't know what that's like saying, but that's, you know. Do you remember that Top Gear episode where Jeremy Clarkson, where they have to do the campaign about cycling, safe cycling, and his solution is cycling, work harder, buy a car. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the solution. Uh, All right, moving I, on. Well, moving on, but final final thoughts is Army is a nice guy, a great guy. He's not going to be fucking people over. Job done. Um, Wait, uh, alphabet, play the alphabet. What's the alphabet? A, B, C, D, E, F, F, <laughs> F flight. Flight. So. This unless, is a dick move. I, you, I'm not, unless they release this product in the next, I'm going to give them two months and they've already had a little time. Yeah. I am going to say this is a bit of a dick move. It's a business move, but it's a dicky business move. And I'm not saying that because they've announced a product. A non-dick move would have been to show clips for, for anybody that's been living under a rock. Flight are about to enter the foil assist market and they have two options. One would appear to be a copy, you know, their version of a foil drive. And I think this is, you said this to me the other day. I respect foil drive for bringing that product to market. And like you said, they started with something that was a bit, you know, you called it a Tupperware, a fancy Tupperware, and it was but now they've refined it. Now it's a fucking good product. And I respect them for doing that, getting it to market. And a bit like a Hoover is a Hoover, foil drive will always be referred to as a foil drive. It's like a flight foil drive. People keep saying foil assist and I'm thinking, what the bloody hell is a foil assist? It's a foil drive. It's a foil drive, yeah, okay. So anyway, had, so, had flight come along and released a video of Mr. Bennett's on that jet board, so the, the sort of, 40 odd litre or whatever it is board with a little jet in the back to give you a bit of a boost on takeoff released that video and not really said anything else I think it's not dick move if they'd have created hype by that but if it doesn't get released very soon I think it's a bit of a dick move to do that and give specific features about the product i.e. we're going to have flight safe batteries we're going to have you know things like that what do you think? Uh, what was that? I've, our comparison or example on the way down here, imagine this. Liam and I are going to release a foil. Well, no, hang on, sorry. So my, well, the main thing with it, with it is foil drivers obviously been blowing up. It's yeah. been blowing up. Yeah. So let's say the HA from Armstrong is the biggest, awesomest, amazing foil in the world ever. It's incredible. There's a huge amount of hype. And me and Liam... And now we're gonna make a foil. That guy's been a real douchebag, isn't he? Sorry, we're on the road. Um, we're now gonna make the best, the next best foil. We're gonna make the best thing in the world. It's gonna do not to 60 in three seconds on a wave. I reckon it's one gonna second. handle everything from one foot to a million foot. Like it's gonna be the best you thing you've ever seen. You can be as bad at riding as us and look like this. And, and it's gonna make you look amazing. Now we're going to drop that right in the middle, our video of that, we're going to drop that right in the middle of the foil of the Armstrong's hype of their wing, just to slow down their sales to make people know that we've got a foil coming. Now as we know from a few messages that we've had from people who are very excited for this, that people are excited for this flight thing. Rightly so. Rightly so, because it looks like a cool product. 
I have, when are we going to see it? I have a wealthy a guy, a friend of mine, who is a wealthy guy. He already owns two flight lift uh, e-foils. Sorry, flight e-foils. He already owns two of those. And he was pretty much about to buy a foil drive. And he chose not to because of the release of that video. Yeah. And so then the problem he came have... to chat to me about it. And I was like, yeah, but you can afford it, right? Yeah. You can go and buy. Admittedly, you can't actually get a foil drive for a little while unless you go to a retailer because to buy it direct, they have a bit of a waiting list. But there are, in the UK, for example, there are a couple of retailers with orders that are about to arrive that have not got anyone's name on it. So I'm like, you can have one of those within a month. You don't yet know when you can have this other one. And these, this is this is the issue we have with it, and I've probably spouted a little bit too early there. I've, uh, You've blown your load. I've blown my load a bit too early there. But basically, yeah, there's no one, no one knows anything about this, and the murmurings are that it ain't even ready to be released yet. And they haven't given a release date either. Exactly. So all they've done is they've gone, fuck, we're about to lose market share. So it is a business savvy thing in the, in the same way because they do have a huge market because flight has been huge for them. Uh, sorry, uh, for in, in the e-foil market. Um, and they've gone, oh shit, we're about to lose market share because fly, foil drive's gone a bit bonkers. Let's tell people something, not actually knowing you know, what's going on. This I'd like to add for listeners. This is very much an opinion piece, I feel like. You're allowed completely to disagree with us and we, we really welcome people's opinion in this because I did. We have had messages from people on Instagram, and I think that there are people that sit on both sides of the fence. Um, I've definitely blown my load too early as well because I'm not. I don't really even care. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? What's the problem we have at the minute? Is as, as every as same as everybody else. Foil drivers just suckered everybody in. So I now feel like we have, even though we don't, I feel like we have some sort of loyalty. Because we, you know, we get on with them and we've tried the product and it's really good. And so you're saying we're biased, even though we're not biased. We're biased, even though we're not biased. But I think everybody is nowadays because everyone's been suckered in by all of it, and we haven't seen anything else that's coming about that's competitive yet. It's but a tricky, at the same it is time, a tricky one, isn't it? Because who like, gives a shit? Some like, what the fuck does it matter? No, Sorry, I need to stop swearing as well because what's yeah, his face? Seven-year-old girl can't listen to any of the episodes. Um. <laughs> you do. It's very naughty, friend. I know. Sorry. I mean, but then we are also advocates of, you know, we've talked about this with Axis products and stuff in the past. Hey, yeah, uh, hang on. Don't badmouth Axis. I'm products. not badmouthing. No, <laughs> I'm always, um, I'm always surprised when brands have got new product coming, and they try to keep footage of it, hush hush, oh, so with pro riders. And I think that's perhaps where oh, I'm pressing the wrong pedal. Uh, that's perhaps where I'm not sure whether or not I think Dickery is committed here because of the fact that they haven't given a release date, and it's not just footage of it in use. I, if I was Flight, that's what I would have done, and I think it would it would have still been a good business decision. Like that clip of him doing a bloody duck dive. Yeah, it's and cool. being it's propelled really cool. through the water, I'm like, that's really cool. Seeing as now we know that I can't do that for 100 metres with a foil drive like I want. Not until your signal gets improved. Exactly. So I think had they just sort of like released little clips of it in use and said nothing about it, it would have achieved the same thing without 
necessarily being like, here's our landing page. But then I suppose they're going to want to do a newsletter, aren't they? They're going to want customers to be able to buy it as soon as they have it ready. So they want their waiting list. Is it a dick move? Tell us. Well, yeah. Difficult, because like you said, they've literally, or they've, they've impacted foil drive sales with that video. Which was the intention. Which is the intention. That, so that's, that's the sneakiness behind it. But Likewise, then, but then would a foil brand not want to do the same if they knew they had, yeah. you know, if if they had the next best foil coming, they'd want to do the same, wouldn't they? Well, I guess it's just because we we're maybe thinking about it because we haven't seen it in the foiling stuff yet. I mean, you th- you, you think back to when the HAs first came out, for HA wings came out, and the Art was there, and the Eagle was there, and the HA was there. They didn't. There was no dick moves there. I guess everyone knew something was coming, but I don't know. I mean, I cannot stress the fact that I don't care, <laughs> but it is intriguing to see. So that's F. I, I my, my opinion on it is simply, for anybody that's on the shelf, um, we have asked a number of people and haven't really got any dates. And what I would say is, if you want to go play, there is a product ready to go. It's um, it's the same thing at the minute. I'm having a conversation with. Oh, I'm not going to go into it too much. If you want a product, <clears throat> the difficulty we have at the moment with all winging products is there is probably a new product coming around the corner. But if you haven't got an ability to go out and wing or surf foil or do something right now, but something's coming in the next three months. Oh, just go and fucking get something. Mm. Just go and do it, for God's sake. Why are you hanging around waiting all the time for a new product? Because as soon as that new product comes out, there'll be a new product coming from somebody else. That's very true. Just, no one can just, see the future. You kind of have to make your decision based on now and get on with it, don't you? And if, if you I, can't afford no, it wait, yet... Before you say any more, whatever you just said there pivots perfectly back to Armstrong. Because that's how all Armstrong... They've just dealt with what they had at the time, which was the MA, mm. and then six months down the line they've had a breakthrough of something because it wasn't even that close was it the release no exactly it's a good 12 months apart god we've gone round in circles beautifully here haven't we Uh, so G for Uh, Gong G Francesco Capuzzo so I found this we haven't talked about Gong in a while and that was on purpose because when we last talked about it there was quite a lot of controversy we got heckled we got heckled quite a lot but I just didn't, I couldn't resist bringing it up in this episode because I think there's a couple of quite significant things that are happening with that brand now. Not only have they signed... Quietly as well. Yeah, they're just ticking away. So they've been dominating the sort of surf freestyle with Patrice's son. What's he called? Man. Um, (laughs) Patrice's son. We'll call him Patrice's son. So the gong owner's son is just dominating the surf freestyle stuff and um, they've just signed Francesco Capuzzo, which was an RRD. Francesco Capuzzo. It's a me, Mario. Um, (laughs) There goes the Italian. (laughs) And he was an RRD rider. He's an Italian, so he was a loyal RRD rider for a very long time. And I believe that he's one of the sort of top three GWA race athletes. Like He was always pushing um Tituan for you know wins and stuff like that so he has now signed to gong and i feel like this is one of the first examples where gong has signed an external rider that has been in what you would call the traditional industry of brands for a very long time 
because I feel like a lot of the gong talent thus far is either sort of in the family or French close to the brand already or like maybe you're an employee of the brand. Whereas this is a big move for them to be like, right, there's a pro rider. We're having you. They've obviously done it. And when I put uh, an Instagram post up and just said, you know, what are people's thoughts on this? It was very mixed. And the reason I find it interesting. But it, it is, it, I, the, 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 the fun thing about putting all that stuff on Instagram now that we do actually have people replying, some stuff we put up doesn't get any replies. This got a lot. This gets a lot. Gong always has got a lot. Usually because we call them a bunch of fucks and <laughs> people get real vocal about it. I don't know why. It's because they're French. Um, you put me off train there. <laughs> Think of the children. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, so it comes at the same time. Gong through its lifespan, which is actually longer than I think a lot of people would appreciate. It predates foiling by a long way. They were trying to get into like cheap surfboard access originally, I believe. Um, they rebranded themselves a lot. And initially it almost looked like a little rocket sperm, their logo. And they've sort of moved away from the rocket sperm to that little G thing that it is. But they are going through a big rebranding exercise at the moment. And I feel like they have a very complete product lineup now. They seem to have the ability to bring on-trend product to market really quickly. And I'm like, are they starting to acquire legitimacy now that they have acquired a market share? And can you acquire legitimacy having followed the business model that they followed or not? And these are all just questions that are, again, opinion pieces. What I've enjoyed about it is people give them a lot of flack for who they are and what they are. But we haven't seen anything come out where they give an inkling of giving a shit and they just keep on going. Mm. And they just keep increasing and building. Which, that's what I find interesting because I'm like, I'm asking myself, okay, what, I want to know what, I'd really, it's a shame that the man ignored you on LinkedIn, old Patrice, because I would like to chat to him because what I really want to know is what is the motivation for that brand? I want to hear the story because I think if we've proven anything with this podcast, it's that the story is actually very powerful when it's known by people. And we have, we know we've had emails from people where we have swayed their entire brand decision, having listened to a podcast with either their designer or the founder or whatever. And I just want to know what the objective is. What are the people at the helm of that? Are they trying to provide affordable gear? Are they still trying to grow? Like surely you're you're at the point where you can provide all the gear now and maybe that says a lot to what you were saying about them not caring. Maybe they're like, well, look, we're big enough now where we're going to survive. We always want to get people good gear at a price point and we don't care if we sell any more or not because it was never our objective to grow. We just wanted to do stuff at a price and a different business model. I think it's a bit of a shock factor for them as well because they've, they've had what must be two very big disciplines blow up for them in the last few years so before foiling paddleboarding and they've definitely enjoyed that boom yeah because they're already producing the kit so and paddle surfing yeah but as in from a inflatable paddleboard they must have earned 
as a direct-to-consumer market there, they must have earned a shed load of money. Like when I was in France, in wherever I went, I saw multiple inflatable surfboards manufactured by them. Really? High PSI surfboards. Um, but they've then enjoyed, you know, they've gone off the back of that big boom there with the paddleboard industry. And, and hopefully they're not sat on millions like everybody else because I don't know if they must have control, but they must have a bit more control over the market or their own industry because of the direct-to-consumer nature of it. But they've gone straight into the foiling side of things then, and then that's boomed as they've started with it. So they, they've they probably, I mean, I know nothing about it. I don't know what the French uh, business website is that you would look up to see how much money they earn, but they must have had a good few years with that kind of stuff. Well, I, I'm interested now because, as far as I'm concerned, they have two of the most competitive athletes on the two big disciplines of the GWA, which is the surf freestyle and the racing. That's what's nerve-wracking looking that, at it from... How will uh, he perform? Uh, well, as in from another brand's point of view, as in looking at that, thinking, bloody hell, you know, GWA, GK, whatever, GWA, sorry, is, is dominated or will be dominated now by potentially gong riders. It's hard to knock gear when it's winning. Which is difficult when you look at the GWA and you see... The irony is, I wonder, so the GWA is funded, my understanding of the way that the GWA gets funded is that brands basically chip money in. And I think that it's like a a weird, I might be getting this completely wrong, and I think Mike uh, talked about it a bit on that podcast, so maybe go back and listen to that in case I've got it wrong. But it sounds as though they all chip in a little bit of money. There's a little bit of like anonymous sales numbers sharing by buying into this organisation. So they, the GWA get funded by the brands and then in doing so, they sort of provide a bit of their sales figures and everyone kind of gets to see how everyone else is doing and all this sort of stuff. I wonder whether Gong even is part of that. True. Because obviously, you know, there's no reason why as an athlete you can't just go and sign up to a GW yeah. event, but it'd be quite funny if they, as a brand, weren't even involved in that. Uh, what I was going to say is I don't know how important that stuff is for overall sales because the, the brands that you do see at the top of that, that tree and not brands that we would classify as leading brands. That's not true. Star, Starboard and Duotone dominate a lot of that. And Duotone are massive on sales numbers. F1 have sales got, number, yeah. look at how many, F1 have had world championships. They got that American kid, haven't they? I've no idea. He, I think he might have actually won it last year, the Surf Freestyle, or I know the, the uh, Patrice guy won stops a bit, but they've got that American F1 so it goes, rider. It goes back to the free ride interest as opposed to competitive interest. Well, that brings me on to the final topic that I wanted to talk about, which is rider value, because I'm not sure that I would agree that competition results don't influence the market. I think that competition results get, they prove the gear. There are some eyes still drawn to that. And I think there is a legitimacy to be able to say that we have the world champion. And one of the things that I find really interesting is how I think rider value is changing. And I think that this may seem obvious to some people and, you know, social media and everything is absolutely massive now. But it seems to me as though you have to either be one of the best riders undisputedly. Like you either have to be one of the top 1%. It doesn't necessarily have to be in competition. It can be free riding. But you either have to be the best or have an incredible media presence otherwise you're not of much value so 
I think I, I've, I know I've told you, Liam, but I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I watched Stab Surf Magazine's series called How Surfers Get Paid. And probably because of my role in the industry uh, in the UK here, I was absolutely enthralled. And I cannot tell people enough times, go and fucking watch. Go and watch that program. Because it is just, even from someone who was interested in surfing and, and was around when the boom was occurring in action sports in the early noughties, and so remembers a lot of these stories that they're talking about. But one of the main things, coming back to what you're discussing there, that sticks with me is they're basically saying Gabriel Medina is the, uh, or Gabriel Medina, I don't know what his name actually is, who is numero uno WSL surfer nowadays. Him and the two guys that come second and third are basically the only people that earn any decent money out of surfing competitively now. Otherwise, you then have to look towards the podcast wankers like us, uh, or the, you know the Jamie O'Brien, the the uh, Noah and um, Nathan pod, uh, podcast, and and then the YouTuber guys. That's the that's the other side of it now. So there's two sides of making money, whereas previously back in the noughties there wasn't, and there didn't need to be because people were earning so much money because of how much money was in the surf industry. Whereas now it's split up massively to exactly that. Unless you are one, two, or three, you're non-existent. Well, I don't know whether or not I... It depends on what your motivation is, because I feel like if you're a brand, you can see riders from one of two ways. You can Ultimately, they have team riders for two reasons. You've got your testing riders and your riders that you want to be pushing the limits of your gear. But ultimately, you want to see a return on your investment. You want those people to be so good, put out media, that people look at them and go, that gear must be good, I'm going to buy it. Like, you want a return on your investment. And I feel like if your objective is a return on your investment, your rider has to be one of those things that you've described. And I'm not surprised that 95% plus of the revenue would go to sub 1% of the riders because they're the ones with all the eyes on them. Because it's like we talked about this, you know, like, Kiahi goes on to F1. I would not be surprised if there was a lot of people that see Kiahi on F1 and be like, that's I want reason, that. That's the reason I, I would want to ride that brand. Yeah, yeah exactly. Agree. Because someone like that doing what he does on that gear, it's like, yeah, he has so many eyes on him. Um, and there are a select number of riders that are in that position. And if you're not one of those top people, I don't think you are of massive value to the brand necessarily. However, the more traditional brands may be investing in people that they think have the potential to be big or they might just see that as a part of the sport where they want to support a select number of people to simply just push the limit of it. And even though in the top 1% of riders, it might only be 1% of those riders that have the eyes on them at one time, it doesn't mean that the overall 1% can get you know, can't push the standard of the riding up collectively. Competition drives progress, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And so you need a good number of basically people that can dedicate a lot of time to this stuff to get that level really high. But there's also no money in the industry anymore. So you can't afford to be fueling more than whoever's winning. Than what you can. Yeah. So you've got to try and imp or you've got to try and use the small amount of money you've got to be as impactful as possible and unfortunately little Jimmy that 
rides pretty good down the bottom of the beach. He's not going to get it. He's not going to get a look in on that kind of money. What was your point with that? Anyway? Anything? Just that it's of interest and that people should, if they are trying to make their way to acquire support and all that rest of it, it's a personal request of me that you add value to your posts by not tagging every single piece of equipment in it. Because nobody cares and it doesn't help. I don't think it does. When you get given a free wetsuit and you tag that wetsuit in on the first use and you go, oh my God, I'm so much warmer. I'm so much more flexible. I'm so much... And you just list all of those things. I think... Authenticity is a bigger part of everything nowadays as well. We were talking about this. Balls Muller, our favourite man. Balls. He puts out so much content do they think of, that's a funny name is it balls the we don't swiss, know. do the swiss think that that's a fully funny name shame you didn't get to meet him anyway he puts out a lot of media from the swiss mountains riding in lakes in sub-zero temperatures every single year through the winter he seems to bloody don up in neoprene to go pump for them for christ's sake in the middle of winter if i needed some wetsuit gloves and I wanted to know what was good, I'd probably go and have a look at what Mr. Balls is using and buy that. And he doesn't need to tag his neoprene accessories in every single post for me to think, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm glad that he's told me that his fingers are warm. I'm going to look at that and I'm going to go, Christ, if that's what he's using repeatedly in sub-zero temperatures, that's probably quite good and I'm going to buy it. I just think the marketing's changed a lot. People, want, people don't want it to be shoved down their throats all the time. It might be inexplicitly put in front of them, but if someone just literally puts a wetsuit in your face and goes, this is good, by this, it doesn't mean shit anymore. It just needs to be a little bit subliminal in the background. You just keep posting, you know, just get it in, just get, get, in get the gear in, get better, produce good media. That's all you got to do, isn't it? So we ain't going to get anywhere, are we? Oh, I mean, I took the GoPro out again today. So for those that uh, would love to see riding footage of Freddie and I, that's select three of you, I have been trying to use my GoPro Hero 6, and so far I've got some excellent footage of my feet, the sky, and the water that's brown. So that'll be coming in a sick a edit. Today, yeah. A sick <laughs> edit soon. What you can guarantee is that the tunes will be excellent. Yeah. Um... Just going back to G for Gong, we're saying no. I'm saying no dickery. There is no dickery there. No, I agree. So we're going Armstrong, no dickery. Flight, dickery. <laughs> Gong, no dickery. No, I'm going to say flight, dickery depends on when it comes yeah, out. Yeah, okay. I'm going to caveat it. Uh, they've got until my birthday. <laughs> Which is the sixth of April. If anyone wants April? to sixth oh, okay. of April, if anyone wants to buy a beer on um, buymeacoffee.com forward slash GF podcast, and I'm going to give them till then. All right. Thanks everybody. We hope you enjoyed this car journey chat, and we'll catch you in the next one. Um, follow us on social medias, but also yeah, we do have a, a buy me a coffee. Send us messages. Money from that will be squandered and spent on cocaine and <laughs> no i'm kidding um it is going towards the awsi visit that we're so wanting to do so that's what that's doing um cool see you later bye how long is that